You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Two Stars One Cup podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Shippy, joined as always by Craig Ludwig. And, you know, Ludz, you know, we've been talking about kind of different trade deadline moves and just the overall craziness of the schedule. Do you think there's any point that the Dallas Stars would get to where they would they would look at guys like Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop and maybe maybe push off bringing them back. I mean, I guess they already are since it's the end of March and, you know, heading into the season, we were told around March, you know, I think I think March was supposed to be when both of them were ready. But, you know, Rick Bonus said yesterday that neither of those guys are even close to practicing with the team. Do you think there'd be any chance just because of the crazy schedule that they would shut either of those guys down just completely for the season? Or do you think that they would want to see them back on the ice even in this crazy um jam-packed schedule the way that things the way things are going right now I, I'd, be, I'd be begging for him to come back and play even yeah. at 80 percent right uh, so <clears throat> no and i i don't i mean right now you need help so you're not going to shut yeah. him down when you need help and, and so i think that and you can do the same i mean look at rupe hints what's he doing playing every other game because of whatever he's dealing with and it, and it seems to be working for him he just scores every time he's out there so i know uh <clears throat> you know and so you know, again, you're basically platooning guys, and 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 again, you've got you've got guys that are playing minutes, and like I said, you're playing four games in six night every, every week, and, mm-hmm. and so you need as many bodies as close to healthy as you can, and even if you can bring, let's say, Tyler back, and he only gets 12, 14 minutes a night, he's not playing 22, 23, and let him kind of ease into it um, to be able to get him up into as close to game shape and and get the injury out of his head and feel comfortable and all that other kind of stuff. So that when you do make the playoffs, now you've got a rested guy, Ben Bishop. If Bish can come back and stay healthy, um, which has always been his issue, everybody knows that. There's yeah. a reason. The reason he's not still in Tampa Bay, besides Vasilevsky. But um, you know, he he just he Bish has always had the bad luck of getting hurt at the wrong time of the year. So maybe this is different right now. He'd always get hurt a, you know, a few weeks out from the playoffs, and then you'd never have him in the playoffs. So um, maybe he got the the annual injury out of the way. And, and he can, can come back, and he'll give you an unbelievable playoff run because yeah. I'm sure that they would love to be able to get Ben Bishop at 100% Ben Bishop and get him in the net, and that could be their backbone that they need. And then you get Tyler Sakin that kind of work himself into top game shape. But, yeah, I, I don't see them shutting them down. I think that you can use Kucherov, for an example, with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They're like, dude, take your time. Take your time. Make sure you're 100%. We can probably we're thinking maybe we can even get by the first round of the playoffs, uh, which would which would probably be Dallas. I mean, Dallas yeah. could be against Tampa, or it could be Chicago, or it could be Nashville, it could be Columbus. But they're probably saying, "Listen, where do you think you're at, Doc? Where do, where is he at? Nah, he's 95 percent. Well, you know what? Let's look at our opponent who we have in the first round. What happens if we give him another seven eight days off? Well, then he's going to be closer to 100, obviously. So they have the luxury of doing that. Florida has the luxury of doing that. 
uh, Carolina does. I think teams that are on the bubble, those teams that we're talking about, the four teams, it, right now I'd say there's four teams, maybe probably three, that mm-hmm. are that are in the hunt for that fourth spot. Um, yeah. So if they can find any ammo and they can squeeze, I mean, Tyler Sagan can come back and get you three goals in five games, and that may put you over the hump to get you in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah. If I were, if it were me, uh, you know, I would just want him back there, both of those guys back as soon as possible, and let's monitor them from game to game, shift to shift, period to period. Yeah, I just didn't know if you know with the crazy schedule, like you're talking about the four games and six nights. If I mean, maybe they would just platoon those players, you know, yeah. or. You know, that may, there's a way to handle it where you don't just throw yeah. them in there and they're playing, you know, every game all the time. But I didn't know if that was just something that they would even consider and just say, hey, this is a weird season. Let's hang on to everybody. Let's run it back again, you know, next season when things aren't crazy and when we're not just trying to fit a, a season yeah, into like a short four-month it, it window. May, it may be a weird season, but to my knowledge, they're still giving that trophy away yeah. at the end of it. They are. That's what you're here for. And so yeah, if you can – if you can piecemeal something together that that you can you know kind of work put a little duct tape it. on it yeah put some duct tape and grab a couple bungee cords and, and let's let's push forward yeah well you know in this weird season it's one of the good things the positives has been we've seen a lot of the younger guys and i think that obviously you it, it the conversation starts with jason robertson and how you know at times he's looked like especially with guys like rope hints out and alexander radulov in and out of the lineup and even bonus a couple weeks ago was talking about, Hey, like, you know, you can see the confidence of this kid is getting the more that he started to play the NHL game and he's really starting to thrive. And what do you think, is there a player comp for that you've got with him? Because he kind of in a way reminds me a little bit of Mike Ribeiro, not any, I don't know anything like personality wise, but just his game and the way that he sets people up and, you know, he's not afraid to shoot. I guess he doesn't really operate, you know, quite as as much behind the net as you know Ribeiro once did especially as a Dallas star but that's kind of a lot I see a lot of Mike Ribeiro in his game when I watch uh Jason Robertson play oh please don't be like Mike Ribeiro so, <laughs> the, the off ice stuff oh, I'm not talking off ice I, I know even... but one one always comes with the other so just right uh, right we'll, we'll use a different comparison I okay. think Robertson help me out here I think Robertson is is his I, I just believe I don't know I can't even tell you I'm so impressed with with the maturity that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, the stage is not too big for him. And, and you would think uh, just getting into the NHL, I look at the first two goals that he took in, just in the shootout. Uh, yeah. you know, if, if, I don't know if there's a bigger state, I mean, games, playoffs, and things like that. But for a young guy to pop into the shootout and, and there's nobody else on the ice except the goaltender, and he made it look easy a couple times. So, <clears throat> and, I, and I don't see him – Every time that I see him go back to the bench, he's he's dialed into going out to his next shift. And and I see oh. I and when I when I when they have a close up of him, the first thing I look at is it, it looks like he's in a daze, and he's not in a daze. He's thinking about his last shift, I believe, uh-huh. and I think he's thinking about his next shift. And <clears throat> I just think he's a kid that that has it all there, and he's make he almost makes it look easy. Like there's yeah. no panic in his game. There's no panic from the standpoint of in traffic. There's no panic coming out of his own zone. Um, power play, now they're putting him – I mean, he just does all the right things. So um, I don't know who I can compare him to as a young player. I, I remember a long time ago there was a, a guy that I played with in Mon- Montreal. His name was Matt Snaslin. And, and Matty came into the league, and he was just a little guy, could skate unbelievable. They're different players. 
but he had so much confidence when he came and like the game wasn't too big. The NHL wasn't too big for him. Yeah. Um, big games aren't too big for him. They have this calmness in them. Like they, they, they don't get flustered over anything. There, there's nothing that's really going to get them off their game. And, and so um, I just impressed every time I see him on the ice and the way that he handles himself, the way he is positionally without the puck. So they've got to be very happy with them. And, you know, what, what a great move by the scouting staff and, and recognizing this kid and bringing him in because I can see him, you know, being a big piece of this organization going forward. I mean, if you're, you're coming into a year like this with everything going on, a young kid that gets this opportunity and, you know, it just seems like every night he's finding a way to be involved in the offense without losing what happens defensively. And he's always going to have to work on his, on his defensive game. All these young guys do. The other guy, like I, I've always liked Delandria. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I, there's a little there, there's a little bit of grit in that kid. Um, so he's more that straight line guy. There, there's a lot of players. Um, there are quite a few players around the league. But it, what is he? Twenty years old? Something yes. like that. So, yeah, he's twenty. Yeah, you, you can imagine what he's going to turn into in the next three or four years. So you can kind of see him being. <clears throat> I can see him and and Robertson being that that tandem. When you put lines together, typically coaches want to get a tandem that puts somebody else that that complements those two guys. Yeah. But I can see him doing <clears throat> him doing all the work in the corners and being the physical guy and getting under the skin of other teams and in your face kind of guy and just creating open space for the other two guys on his line. So I, I'm, I'm I really like those two guys there. And you know you 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 mentioned uh, Robertson and his like focus on the game and how you think that he's you know thinking about his next shift. One thing that I've noticed and like the rest of the game presentation team has noticed is if if he's ever on the jumbotron and he sees himself, he looks down. He looks right back mm-hmm. down real quick. And because uh, yeah, and it, you can tell it's like he doesn't even want to know what's up there. He doesn't even want to know what's going on. Like he's focused in. Like he just happened to look up just to see what you well, know what's on the jumbo. No, that's not necessarily true. When when something good happens to a player, yeah. and they know it's a good play. You know right. what I mean? They know it's a good play. <clears throat> and and when when you watch games enough, you know you know they're going to show a replay of it. Then you're right. going to see that. Right. So what happens is you go back and, and I, not that I was ever on jumbotron that much, but it was a big <laughs> hit or you blocked a shot or something happened. You, you kind of wanted to see it, and then you get caught looking at the jumbotron. And you're like, oh yeah. shit! And so you look back down again <laughs> because you don't want it to look like you're scoreboard watching. You know what I mean? Right. You want to. You're, you're up there wanting to watch your own replay, right? Which always surprises me because I'm like, dude, just turn around and you got this little pad right here. You can watch everything that's going on. So, <clears throat> but again, there's something about it's just so easy. You come back, you sit down, you're looking at it. It's hard not to look at. It, to be honest with right. you, like you're sitting there, especially that thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. the only other big ones out at Cowboy Stadium, I guess, is whatever it's called, the NTT. I mean, uh, but it's so damn big, and it feels like it's sitting right in front of you, like you're sitting in a front, and you're kind of like, uh, uh, because I know eventually if I'm the highlight, they're coming to me. That's what yeah. I'll, you know, the young right. guys, I, I don't think they always know how how the TV thing works. But yeah. if, you're on the, if your play's up there, they're always coming with a shot of you sitting on the bench. So yeah. what they do is they get caught watching it too long, and they're like, oh, down, like that. So. <laughs> they'll figure that part out that's that's funny that's interesting to hear that uh that perspective on you know what exactly that is because like you said i figured that they just watched the replay on you know the ipad that they have you know i always see radulov pretty much after every shift when he's out there it looks like he's got the ipad immediately after you know watching his own play so i was always curious it seems like with robertson even in warm-ups okay i'll tell you this so for guys like us like me and if we were doing, we were sitting there, 
and, and especially Charles when, when Shane Charles was here. We would be watching the Jumbotron, but we knew we weren't going to be on the Jumbotron. What we were doing, because our guys were so good, uh, I'm talking about <clears throat> the TV and camera guys, and now there's nobody in the stands for these poor guys. But it was always they would always find the hot girls. They'd always oh, find the hot girls. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. <clears throat> and the marketing marketing crew is so smart. They would take them good looking girls and they put them right on the glass. They put two over here, and then I believe they had their ticket numbers. Like get get. And I think it's marketing brilliance because if I'm sitting at home and I'm a fan, and I'm sitting watching it on TV, I'm like, whoa, what are we doing watching this game here? Let's go down there. <laughs> you know, not to watch a game, but to watch them. But it yeah. was always like Charles and I. I'd be like Charles on the bench. We'd see one here, and I'm like, Charles, look at that. And then and then we'd get caught. But there would be no highlights on there. It would be girls. You guys looking up, looking at the girls. Yeah, it was always the girls. So, but a lot of times you're doing that. I mean, now they know they're not scanning the crowd. Like you're probably the one of the only 50 people in the crowd, so they're not looking for Shippy up there on, on the on no. the DJ set. You know what I mean? There's there's not many. Not the, the Pickens isn't very good right now for the camera guys to to spot a lot of them. So, but that's what it was for us. But no, it's always about highlights, watching, see what they did and, you know, see how good it looks and what's it look like for the people at home watching it on TV and things like that. Interesting. I'd, I'd always, I'd always kind of wonder what that, what that was going on. If it was like, uh, if you, if anybody would chirp for getting caught watching yourself on the, uh, on the scoreboard like that. I get um, a kick out of the guy, but I, I gotta tell you, I get a kick out of the guys. These are the guys that are really, okay with themselves that actually they're watching the highlight then they come on and they're watching themselves look at the jumbotron <laughs> they can still sit there and kind of go they kind of do that confident that's a confident person right there that can do that so when tyler sagan's back he'll he'll get back to oh, us yeah he'll get back oh, to he, should, he should though yeah he i know i agree I'm yeah, definitely, 100%. I'm not, I'm not giving a hard time, you know, I just do your thing, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> what's uh you know, one thing that's kind of been a big difference from last season to this season, I think, you know, obviously it would be a huge help if you could get back to, you know, how things were going last season is Dennis Gurionov. It just seems like the, the production, the point production and everything doesn't seem to be there. I mean, he's got, he's got opportunities, had a great opportunity against Tampa Bay, um, where I believe was it Robertson? I think Robertson led him a little bit too much with a pass, uh, yeah. but it would have been an easy tip in. What's been going on? Because it just seems like the the slap shot isn't even there. It doesn't even seem like they're going to it as much as they did, you know, on their Stanley Cup final run. Is this just a thing where you know, like we've discussed before with guys like Tyler Sagan, is it puck luck, or are you seeing something different in the way that he's playing his game? I, I don't I don't see anything different. He doesn't seem to be driving the net as much as he did earlier. And, and I think sometimes it can be a product of things coming too easily too quick. And you go back to last year, did it not seem like every time he shot the puck and went in the net? Yeah. And and he was able to score from a perimeter. He was able to score from like near the hash marks on the wall where they yeah. shouldn't go in. And and I think it came very easy to him. And everybody knew it came easy to him. And, and the other thing that happens is once you make a lap around the league, the goaltenders now know he's got a great shot. And, and you watch Hugh Dobin. When Doby plays, and, and, and there's certain guys on the – like Stamkos. When you watch Hugh Dobin, he's already moving over to Stamkos before the pass even comes. He's, he's, rather, right. he's rather – because that's where they're trying to go. Mm -hmm. So 
again, I go back to what's that the team, what's their team A? That that's their play. They they that's their number one play. They want to go there. So you try to take that away, make them go someplace else. And and I think for for Gariano, I think everything that he shot went in the net. And I think then then it comes to it doesn't go in, it doesn't go in. Then he starts getting frustrated. He's like, wait a minute now, this was all going, this was easy for me, and everything was going in the net. And then what they do is they start looking for a little bit more space on the perimeter to give him more time to get more on the shot. Well, I think that's that I think that's wrong. I think that when you're having a hard time scoring goals, you go back, you get in tighter, you go get some ugly goals and you get your right. confidence back. You need you to know, see like, one go that, in. Like, it's amazing how many players that are scoring, uh, guys that score goals, when they go into a slump, and for them, a slump could be two games, three games, four games, whatever, but then they get an empty netter, and then you make sure as a coach, and there's an empty net, put him on the ice, because I, and then all of a sudden, they got the, all they have to do is see that they scored a goal. They don't care where it was, how it got there, what time of the game it was, what was the score of the game, but it does something for their psyche, and they're back into it. So he needs that psyche back. He needs to know that they're going in for him, and and I, I just think that they're coming a little bit harder for him to score, obviously. And so he's got to fight through that. But a lot of times you have to get a little bit closer than that. You got to do some uncomfortable things. That's why I like what Hints I said this about Hints all the time. Or I, I think what Rupe does, he he he's first off, he's got tons of speed, right? And it's hard for a defenseman in today's game, especially. You can't hook him, you can't hold him, can't get your stick out there. And when they get parallel to you. He, he cuts to the net. He understands where he is, and then he drops that shoulder, and he has no fear going to the net. So that's why I think he has success, and I think Garriano needs to do that more often. Instead of, you know, the shots from distance right now, I think he needs to get a couple ugly goals. Well, you know, one thing that uh, isn't ugly about a, a Stanley Cup run is the playoff beards that are going on. And if you want to make sure that your beard is on Stanley Cup, uh, quality level, then you need to get with Ish Beardworks. They make lightly scented, handcrafted, all-natural men's grooming products for the man who wants to look good without smelling like a pine tree farted in his face. And guess what? They donate a portion of the profits to charities that support children in foster care and awaiting adoption. So not only are you getting your beard game right, but you're helping out kids in need as well. So go to ishbeardworks.com. That's Ish, I-S-C-H, beardworks.com, and check everything that they have to take your beard game and hygiene to the next level. Ish Beardworks is the proud official sponsor of this official Dallas Stars Focus podcast and official creator of the baddest ass beards in all of DFW. It's the Ish, so can you. Now, I also want to talk about um, the the penalty kill with the Dallas Stars because it seems like, I mean, obviously you're going up against a lot of really good you know, power plays in this division, right? And it seems like what used to be a, a big strength of the Dallas Stars has, you know, been kind of – it hasn't been as much of a strong point this season. Is there something that – is there something that you're seeing with um, their penalty kill this year? Is it goaltending? You know, obviously, sometimes you, you need your, your goalie to be your best penalty killer. But is is it – do you think it's just they're playing a bunch of good power plays? Or is it something that you're seeing with how the, the penalty kill is, is working? I, I think one of the things that happens with special teams – uh, especially in a season like this when you're playing teams seven, eight, nine times, maybe playing them four or five times in a row, is you can drill down to tendencies. And so they the teams are looking and they they know what other teams are doing, vice versa, power play versus penalty kill. Um, so, so you can kind of pick certain things apart. 
Um, and I'll go back to what I said earlier. I, I just I just believe that things are too easy in front of our net. I, I would like to see more of a confrontation with the net net presence guy, the guy that's in front of the net. We play on the perimeter to him. And again, I, that kind of changed a few years ago where I think the concept and the philosophy was, well, you know what? You're going to get in there. You're going to battle with guy. Now it's different. You know, like like a Pallad or or Johnson from last night or Point. If those and they're not always net net front guys, but you got a Patrick Maroon in front of the net. That's probably difficult to move him. And, yeah. and so now all of a sudden you get Alexiak battling against a Maroon. Now I can understand because Maroon will come in and set up right on top of the crease. And so now right. it's a little bit more difficult for your goaltender to tap dance around two of you. But it always starts for me prior to that. Like, don't let it be easy for them to get to the front of that. We just kind of go, okay, take your – that's your spot there? Okay, you take your spot. You can start to meet these guys on the outside of that area and make it difficult for them to get there because the way that guys pressure now, they don't have a lot of time to get their shots away because there's a lot of pressure all over the ice. So if you make it difficult for that guy to get to the front of the night, front of the net – and our other guys are forcing shots to get off earlier than they want them to, well, then what should happen is that shot should be coming, and Patrick Maroon isn't getting to the net first because Jamie Oleksiak held him up a little bit. So now yeah. your goaltender can pick it off, get a save, or, you know, whatever. So, And then the other thing, the philosophy always is, regardless if you're 5 on 4 or 4 on 5 and for the penalty kill, 4 have to outwork 5. That, that's your mentality. Yeah. Us four guys have to outwork those five. And when they pressure, they have to pressure at the right times. If it's a bobbling puck or a puck's going around the wall, you go. Now, if a guy's standing there staring at you and you got a power play like, like Carolina or Florida or Tampa, I mean, those three teams that are in this division, they're going to make some good plays. And, and, mm -hmm. and so you have to be careful the seams that you allow. Like there's been too many pucks that go through the middle of the ice and those seams and things like that. So, it, again, it all goes back to the details. But – I would just like to see not as much net front presence from their player and make it a little bit more difficult before they even get to that spot on. So, and I think that the, because you've got guys with speed, I mean, Jason Dickinson pays the price. It seems like every time he's out there, he gets hit by a puck. Yeah. You know, Como, but you know, all, they have all these guys, Fox up. They have good penalty killers. They're good. I, I just think sometimes that we make it too easy at the net. And, and, and it starts taking away the eyes of the goaltenders, and they're always having to look around something. So if we could do a little bit better job there. But, again, that that, that could be tactical. So And they want to say, let, let's let him get there. We want to be able to press on the outside. So, again, I, I don't know what, what their game plan is there. But, again, this is kind of old school, too. So we're going back there. But, like I said, I can watch Tampa kill against us, and Hedman is cross-checking guys in front of the net right. and making it difficult to set up and stay there. And then – you know, their guy gets there, and we're kind of on the on the outside, and they've got their player standing right in front of the, our goaltender. So, you know, they, and a lot of that sometimes is you're getting ready to pressure. So a defenseman wants to get ready to pressure, goes to the half wall, goes down to the goal line, you want to be able to go. So it all depends on – I don't even know who's running their penalty kill. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's Stevens that runs the penalty kill. Um, but Bones – I think what Bones has done is he's obviously given, you know, uh, some – some leeway and to to their to his assistant coaches to run the special teams and things like that because when Rick was running it, it to me I think it was really good all the times that he's been doing that so yeah but again he he at the end of the day he's the guy that has a say on everything so I mean th this is not where I I would not jump on coaches um, on a lot of this stuff I would I mean they're trying to push every button they can all if right. this was an 82 game season I think they'd be they may be coaching a little bit differently if you weren't playing every other day three and five four and six 
I think you could push a little bit. But right now, I think there's got to be a big part of trying to coach guys and tell them, hey, you're going to be okay. I, you got, I know you got some more gas in the tank. Just give us what you got on you know, game three and game four in this six-game set. So um, I'm sure they've gone through all these scenarios, and there's so many things that we can sit here and talk about, but you don't really know until you really know what's going on in the room and how they're trying to do right. certain things. You know? And, and you got to tell you this, every player is trying to score goals. It's not yeah, like they're not yeah. trying to score goals. Right, they're, right. they're trying to do everything that they can. And you got to remember they're not even practicing really because like basically they're just playing games. There's no practices. <laughs> really, I, mean, yep. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll warm up before the game, you know, and do the same warm up routine pretty much that they do every game. But aside from that, there's no like, sh- you know, strictly practice because these guys need as much rest as they can get. Um, I did want to yep. know, did they, did they highlight it all on the broadcast that the battle that John Klingberg and Tyler Johnson had at the front of the net? Did they I show that at all? I don't listen. I turn the sound off, and so okay. I don't listen because I get, especially when Razor's yapping all the mm. time, uh-huh. because then I start to believe everything he says. I, I'm a guy that kind of wants to make up my own, my right. own opinion on things. I, I, I think I'm better off that way because mm. I'll believe everything Razor says. Like I, yeah. I, he's the best guy in the business. There's nobody better than Razor. And you'll spend half nobody. your time you'll you'll spend half your time looking up whatever new word he drops on you that you got to make sure I, is I even. Used- a- I used to do that, and and I would send a message all the time. I said, that's not even a word. Then he kind of dig and goes, it's a word. But tell you what, he, that guy sits there on his little thing, and he finds words. Uh, I don't know what it's called again, which one that is. But, but I mean, he's brilliant. Uh, there's nobody better than Razor. Um, but True. I like to kind of form my own opinion of what's going on. And, right. And then uh, even like with Seve and stuff like that, I don't even listen to intermissions. I, I flip it to a different game because I – and again, I probably should listen because I always think I know what the hell I'm talking about. Most times I don't. So I probably now I listen to the coaches. I listen to Rick and his interviews. I like to hear what his his read is uh, on their team and other coaches and things like that. And, you know, those guys are always so spot on. But again, I think part of the coaches right now, it's easier to be hard on your players when you're a Tampa Bay or a Washington or a Vegas, uh, Colorado because you're in a spot and you're a good team and yeah. you can, you can, I think you can hold them accountable to more things versus when you're in a tough spot and you're trying to sell hope. You're trying to say that you're not tired and you're not banged up and we're trying to squeeze it. So sometimes you gotta, you gotta pat them on the ass and sometimes you gotta kick them in the ass. And mm-hmm. so I think it's easier to boot them in the ass when you're up in the top and you can try to get a little more out of them. Then they start sinking down. Then you got to go back off a little bit. Now, there's some, uh, you know, recent news that came out from last night that during the Wings-Preds game, NHL referee Tim Peel was caught on a hot mic saying he wanted to get Nashville in the box early. And today the NHL has announced that he's no longer working for the NHL. First of all, do you think that's warranted of, you know, removing him from the NHL as a referee? And then second of all, do you ever feel like even when you're either watching a game or when you're playing a game, did you ever feel like, like hey, like they want to put the stars or the Canadians in the box early or or that about your opponent? Did you ever feel like that was a, a type of a type of philosophy that's 100%. going on? For us? Really? Everybody knows that. Oh yeah, you get especially when you're. I I feel like that. I feel like no, that sometimes. No, when, you're, you're, listen, when when you're, when when your team is up four to one. And there's a and, and somebody tripped you and there's ten minutes to go in the game. You think you're getting a penalty? You're not getting a penalty. I mean, right. unless it's so egregious that that everybody in the world sees it. They, I'm not saying that they're there to influence games whatsoever. 
Yeah. Um, but yes, <clears throat> and I, I don't even know. I know. And the worst part about this whole, he's a good guy and he's a good referee. And he's been around forever. This guy was retiring on April 12th. He's done. His, his career is Oh, over. wow. That's the shitty part of this whole thing. I yeah. don't agree with it, but but it kind of puts like a taint on his whole career well, when it was about, about to be over anyways. Uh, to my knowledge, have you have you heard that there is now going to be gambling and things like that coming yes. into the NHL? Yes. You think that's a good message to let go? That they're going to start calling penalties right. because the time and score of a game and, right. and they've called they've called, you know, five, four, five penalties on the other team, and they haven't called any on that. That was Nashville. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to get that one out of the way. You know, So we're going to try to – I believe that <clears> – <throat> I do believe that there's not a referee that wants to come out of a game and look at a score sheet and see that he called three power plays on – or I should say penalty – three penalties on Tampa Bay and seven on Dallas. They don't want to see that. I think that mm-hmm. they want to be able to come out of a game – Let's see. It's four to three. It's five to four. It's six to four. It's it, it, we were we were down the middle of the road. We you know you each got your time on power plays. You each had to kill so many penalties. Yeah. So I'm not saying that, that that they look the other way, but I've always believed that they don't really want to be part of the game. They they don't want to be have anything to do with the outcome of the game. Unfortunately, they have the outcome to do with a lot of games, if not all of the games. When you think yeah. about things like that, they want the players to be able to settle the games themselves. And the last thing they want is, you know, coaches yelling at them, players yelling at them, which never helps because then all of a sudden you're going to get a penalty. I mean, you, if you get down right. some some referee and you piss them off too much, you're getting an extra penalty somewhere along the line. You have no idea how many times we can sit there on the bench. And and you got three, four power plays in a row, and we'll yell down, we're getting the next one, so keep keep it tight. We know we're getting the next penalty, and it'll happen. We'll get the next mm-hmm. penalty. Because they yeah. don't like giving the same team time after time after right. time. Because, you know, so, yeah, I, I just – I don't agree with it. It's the way it's been forever. I don't agree with the punishment. Um, and, and I think you could have – but, again, I, it may, like I said, it may have something to do with what's going to happen. The last thing we want is to be like basketball. From what, And I'm not a basketball fan whatsoever. Right. I don't watch basketball. But I hear a lot about when people are trying to bet on basketball, they're saying it's fixed and, you know, they, they get an extra free throw at the end of the game or whatever. So um, – and I think some referees in basketball got busted in the history. In, yeah, in the there's a whole that. book about it. Yeah. Oh, there? okay. There's a there's okay, a well, book. There yeah, a referee named Tim Donahue. He came out with a book called I think it's called Personal Foul, but he got caught up in this whole like 2006 and like early 2000s like gambling ring and everything was going on, yeah. and he was like influencing games, and it affected the Dallas Mavericks, which hurt my heart. You know, because they lost to the, the Heat in the finals in 2006. He's like, oh, it's totally rigged. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't I know. The whole shaving shaving points and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah. I heard so, players were yeah, – they would get some money under the table and yes. all this stuff. That, I, I mean, I just find a hard time believing that. Again, it's about the integrity, not only of the game, but yourself. But, um, again, I, I don't know. I've, I've never been in that situation. Um, but I just – I find it a little heavy. Um you know, unfortunately, you know, I, we'll see if the mics are on anymore. <laughs> you know, how, how are they going to control that? Um, yeah. I, there might have to be a remote button so they – somebody else is controlling their mics instead of them controlling it or something like that. And they already – well, um, that's already the case. That's already the case. Like, I know at the American Airlines Center, I work with Chris, who's kind of like the audio engineer, and he controls their levels and things like that. 
But he's even told me that referees don't like there's certain referees that apparently will just put water all over their mic so it doesn't work. So when they go out there, they don't even have to have it on. Like some referees just really hate talking. I think this is or really hate, you know, projecting around the arena. And I wonder if this is why that's the case. And that makes sense, though, because I, I, I don't think they I really don't think it's in their nature to want to be front and center. They, they understand it's about those guys and those guys. Right. That right. They don't want to be. In, I, there's a I don't know what the reason is, but there's a reason at some point they took all their names off the back of their jerseys. Mm-hmm. Like now they're just numbers. You don't know who they are anymore. Well, so I don't know. I don't know what that is. Maybe you do. I don't know why they took their names off, but they did. No, I, I kind of, you know, and I talked to Chris about this, I kind of. I kind of compared uh, referees to like uh, kind of like a tow truck driver. Like it seems like there's nobody in the world who likes any referee or there's yep. definitely not anybody in the world that likes any tow truck drivers unless they listen to this podcast and they're tuned in right now, which we are very much appreciate your support. But, you know, I think uh, I think it's one of those like jobs where they come, they get so much scrutiny and they well, are, but, but you're wrong. There are people that love you. It's the people that won the hockey game or you're the right. fan of the team that won. Then you don't, you never talk about it. Like how many times right. do you, do you being a, you're a basketball fan and probably a football fan, all this other stuff. I, I just kind of got dialed out of the whole officiating thing, but how many times you guys do the average fan leave a game going, Oh geez, they screwed us tonight. Referee screwed us tonight. You know what I mean? And like, that's yeah. not what they want. They're saying, I didn't screw you tonight. You tripped the guy. The tripping is right. tripping. I mean, I think they leave so many things go. Uh, and it's been talked about forever how the closer you get to the playoffs and the playoffs is officiated different from the regular season. And why yeah. is it? Because you play somebody every other night for two weeks and they know it's going to get heated. It's just like this season. This season, there, there should be rivalries. There should be heat. There should be fights and stuff like that. They don't want to be the ones to out, dictate the outcome of a game during the playoffs, because that's mm-hmm. when everybody's watching. They don't want to be that guy. They want to let you guys play, and they'll tell you. And one of, one of the things you'll say to a referee, like if if, if somebody cross-checks Mike Madonna in front of the net, and, and he gives it to Mo Hard, and he goes down, and the referee, there's a stoppage of play, I'd go past the referee or the guy that was looking at the play and say, listen, that's fine. I'm okay with you cross-checking Mo. Just make sure you give me the same courtesy at this end. So Forsberg's going to be here. I get to get away with the same thing that that their defenseman got away with on Madonna, and we're yeah. all okay with it. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's fine. Like there, yeah. there's times where you you play the first five minutes of a game, and you kind of get the temperature of what they're going to let you do. What can mm. we get away with? What can't? And then you just ask them. Okay, let's just keep it at that. We can play around how you're going to call it. Just mm-hmm. make sure it stays consistent throughout the game. Now, do uh, refs ever hold a grudge against the DJ of NHL teams? Because last night against the Lightning. Mm-hmm. For the first time in my young career, they 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 dropped the puck for the opening faceoff. And like one of the toughest parts of my job is that I if like if they're gonna pick the puck back up and redrop it, the idea is I shouldn't stop the track, but sometimes they fake me out. And I think play is about to start, and you know, you don't want music obviously going while they're playing. But yeah. last night for the first time, and I don't know if I don't know if this is this normally happens, or it's certainly something that I was not thinking would happen like would actually happen on an opening faceoff for the game, but they dropped it and picked up the puck right after. Have you ever seen that happen, or were they trying to were they trying to catch me slipping? No, what do you mean? They, they, well, no, like, they probably that wasn't because of you. They probably. No, I know. I'm joking. It wasn't, an, it wasn't an even faceoff. The other centerman wasn't ready, or something like that. Yeah. You're the, I'm joking. The hardest part of your job. I know what the hardest part of your job is. What? It's waking up in the morning. 
That's yeah. the hardest part of your job. But, I know you have such a tough job till 11 o'clock at night. I God forbid how you do that. So it's always about post activity after you get off the off your job. Well, I really don't even do that much anymore because like we talk about the schedule and how crazy it is for the, the NHL guys. Like I'm tired and I don't sweat at all. Like I, I mean, I stand for most of the game, but that's the, like really it. I'm tired and like, I don't, I'm not out there sweating and skating up and down 200 feet of ice. Like, so I don't have know how you these. Heard of, have you heard of that place called 24 hour fitness? Yeah. Yeah. I have. Yeah, you might, you might want to just stop in there someday and check it out. Well, I, I, well, do you know how tough it is to, no, to, to quit no, a gym no. membership? You know how tough it is to, once you get a gym I, I membership. The, I got the feeling you never signed up for one. I did. I had, I just, I just quit LA Fitness maybe like six months ago. And let me tell you how much of a hassle it was for me to get that thing done. I had to go to the post office. I didn't even know you, you could do this. Why I had to sign- just keep going to the gym. Then you wouldn't have to, to, to cancel it. Well, there's not one near me. And there's a closer one that I go oh. to. Yeah, I, the the closest gym you have is the one you're sitting on right now. Yeah, I do a lot of uh, what is like twelve ounce. Curls. Lay down, get up. Lay down, get up. Roll yeah. over. Lay down, get yeah. up. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great core work. Yeah, I lay down and getting up. <laughs> well, um, you know, I expect by the next episode next week for a detailed workout plan from uh, Craig Ludwig that I can take right. to my new gym, and uh, yeah, we'll get that working. You'll see. You'll see, uh, you'll see me a lot buffer on the on the next following uh, on the following streams coming up. Uh, Luds, as always, it's been a great time talking Dallas Stars hockey with you. Um, to everybody out there who joined us, we appreciate you. Please, you know, subscribe to the podcast Two Stars One Cup on the Hockey Podcast Network. Rate us five stars. Leave a nice, funny comment, or leave a comment of uh, a workout routine that I can uh, try to adopt, and I'll compare it to the ones that Luds has prepared for me next week. Let's do you have any- a, I'll start a GoFundMe fund for you. Get oh, that would be great. $8 a month for a gym. That would be great, honestly, if I didn't have to, All if right. I could just take another bill off my, off my, uh, off my list, I guess, of bills I got to pay. That would be, that would be very nice. All so right. I, we'll work on that. I appreciate that. Well, appreciate everybody for tuning into the podcast. And, uh, Luds, until next week, have a good one and go stars. All right. Have a good day, Chip. All right. You too.